Welcome to the Biopractica Professional Podcast Series. Biopractica is an Australian-owned, practitioner-only brand focusing on nutritional and herbal products proven to play a role in preventative medicine. Biopractica is committed to supporting healthcare professionals in developing their knowledge and skills so they can confidently and effectively tackle the major health challenges facing their patients today. To support this commitment, the Learning Hub was established by Biopractica to offer practitioners a collection of educational resources so they can stay informed on the latest in health science research. Hello and welcome to our regular listeners, new listeners, and of course, to my wonderful co-host, Claire Murray. Today, we'll be talking about the top three challenges when treating gut conditions. So Claire, have we bitten off more than we can chew trying to identify the top three challenges when treating gut conditions? I feel like I just need to pardon that pun on your behalf, Paul. <laughs> Why, thank you. Someone needs to. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a big topic, isn't it? I think when we were brainstorming what we thought for this, we're like, okay, how can we maybe actually just break this down a bit um, and try mm. and give people a bit of a bit of a path and a bit of a framework to be following when they are building up their gut and digestive cases for their clients so they can kind of you know go step by step so it is part of my pun you know easier to digest for for them for their patients (laughs) oh god it's contagious it is it is careful there's a lot of fun we can have uh, with with some of these puns i guess um so the 64 dollar question is though where do we start Mm, yeah so my turn yeah, the first challenge, what were we thinking of? Do you want to go through it? Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, we've said the top three challenges. Some people could say there's a lot more than, you know, three challenges. But I, I, for me anyway, I really think correct diagnosis or just diagnosis is actually one of the challenges. And in my experience and, you know, sort of doing a lot of practitioner support line work and and mentoring work with practitioners, I think actually selecting the correct test when you are treating a gut condition is really, really important. I think there's two sort of reasons for it. A, you need the right information. But B, as most people know, gut tests are not cheap tests. You can be spending usually anywhere from the low sort of 200 mark all the way up to six or seven hundred dollars, depending on um, on on the test that you sort of choose. So I'm going to ask you a question, though. Are there any sort of tests you would at least always have in the back of your mind, Claire, when you're seeing mm-hmm. someone with a gut problem? Yeah, look, I think our probably classic ones are doing some kind of. Uh, gut map, whether that's like more of your CDSA with your functional gut markers. Um, we can also do our microbiome sequencing now. So if we're more wanting to do that deeper dive on the microbiome, um, if we're thinking that's a real key issue for a patient. And then, you know, our SIBO test as well. We've got, you know, our H. pylori testing, you know, just they're probably the main ones, like a parasitology as well, whether or not you're doing that or, you know, the GP's doing that for them. I think um, it can be really interesting, right, once you're ordering enough of these Mm -hmm. to have a patient where you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm doing 
you know, a geomap or something for this patient and I'm just absolutely sure it's going to come back and there's just going to be red flags galore and it comes back and it's actually pretty fine. And then you can have someone where you're like, oh, you know, maybe just doing a bit of check, like a bit of a check or they're just really keen to do a test and you come back and you're like, oh, my gosh, there's so much here to address. That, um, yeah, if we're looking at that patient that doesn't just have a few gut issues that you know is like a secondary thing you want to be cleaning up, if, if someone is coming to you and they have significant, chronic, stubborn, lingering gut issues, then I think in this day and age it is important to be picking some kind of test to be getting and uh, getting some eyeballs in there because the results can surprise you, can't they? Look, absolutely. And I think sometimes practitioners, and well-meaning as they are, can actually sort of sometimes just say, you know what, I've seen SIBO all week. I'm pretty sure everything you're telling me is more SIBO. Let's just treat you as though you have SIBO. But exactly as you just said, there are some patients that will have, you know, they'll have quite well-defined gut symptoms. You might do a test to find out what's going on. But then you actually look at what is actually happening in their gut and you're quite horrified. You know, there's a number of, uh, I'll say, forms of dysbiosis. There's a parasite in there as well. Um, Mm. You know, there's, there's a whole range of things. And I do think, for me, one of the challenges, even, you know, having been in practice for a long time, is actually trying to make sure you select that correct test that gives you as much information as possible. And I I also think, though, sometimes SIBO testing can be a little challenging only because you've got the different kinds of SIBO tests, you know. uh, Is there, you know, hydrogen? Is there methane? You know, and you have to order different tests to really get the best results from a SIBO test. And I think people also need to keep that in mind as well. But I just want to go back to something else you said, which is, though, you sort of made a comment, the more you do these tests. And, and what I was thinking when you said that is the more you do these tests, the better you get at actually picking what's going to be appropriate for your patients. And and I think if you really are starting to see a number of gut patients, I'm not someone who wants to test everyone for everything because, as I said, you know, it can get really expensive and you don't always get the most information. But I do think with chronic gut conditions, um, you know, doing a test, selecting the best test is going to be really, really important. Mm. And I think, you know, if we are dealing with someone that does have that significant gut presentation, you know, we want to kind of make sure that we're getting it right, aren't we? Because if we're X amount of months down the road and they're not responding, you know, we didn't really necessarily give them the right supplements and the diet wasn't quite right because it wasn't, you know, we didn't, right from the get-go select and and figure out what was actually going on with them um that's Mm. not the ideal place to be and you know at that point you're really needing to go back and review that diagnosis and be like all right Mm. we just got to dig a little bit deeper so i think just getting really comfortable with taking your time taking the case like what are their signs and symptoms and then what's that pointing towards um i think a lot of people could maybe agree that the patients that we're seeing these days they can be more complex they can be more chronic you know they um they can be a little bit more resistant to treatment potentially like we you know if if someone has those significant gut issues i think they're a really good group of people to be doing some kind of test for um just to make sure that we're getting all the information that we need Hmm. look i know i just want to make the comment i think if you're really not sure what test 
to use. A lot of the testing companies will have uh, practitioner, um, you know, practitioner support and can actually speak with those uh, labs themselves and say, look, I'm seeing someone with this symptom, this symptom, this symptom, but I'm not sure what test to choose. And, and so if you really are lost, if you really don't know what to do or where to start, sometimes can actually call those companies and get some really good information that might at least help you uh, make a better choice as to what test you should be using with your patient. Mm. I think that they can uh, what, be what really about, good. Oh, so, so, sorry to interrupt, Claire. I was just keen to know, I want to know what you do when you do a test and it comes back fine, but this person obviously <laughs> isn't fine, you know. <laughs> oh, man, how wild is that when that happens? I don't look forward to those days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember like a few of those tests stand out in clinic and in talking to practitioners as well, them doing like, microbiome sequencing and then they're like this patient has really got a lot of gut issues and it's coming back that like their microbiome is just in tip-top shape what's going on mm. and mm. you know I think for those people the answer is probably a little bit more nebulous and for mm. me I always immediately then start to go more into that uh stress vagus nerve mm. sympathetic parasympathetic like what mm. could be happening in terms of their motility their you know the um governance of their nervous system over their immune function all of these things that a gut test can't necessarily pick up because it's like down at the place but it, if it's an upstream mm. driver then you know we can't really see it so you cannot deny right if a patient is sitting across from you and they have gut symptoms they have gut symptoms it's real and there's things that we need That's to fine. do about it but if it's not coming up on a test then we have to go okay well what else outside the gut could be causing it because something is Mm. Look, and mm. and it is really, really important, I think, to look at that and consider that. And and I I guess one of the points I want to make is I don't think there is ever a test result you really necessarily do or don't want. A test simply shows if there is an issue there or if there is not that specific mm. issue that you're testing for there. And I do think that if a test comes back that someone's fine – we have to ask ourselves as practice, did I make a poor choice? Did I, did I not really think about what test I was testing for first? Um, so <laughs> often when I'm thinking about doing a test, I'm asking myself, well, if it comes back as positive, what's this mean? If it comes back as negative, what does this mean? Um, as opposed to just being someone saying, I want to prove that X, Y, Z is happening or that this parasite is there. And I think, mm -hmm. though, for me, when it comes to the gut, then if the test somehow comes back clear, that's when you say, wow, this person says they're a little bit stressed. Maybe they are off the Richter scale stressed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> perhaps I should have done an adrenal test rather than a CDSA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe they're not quite as in touch with that or just that, mm. you know, people can become very adept at juggling a lot of plates. And then they're like, yes. oh, this is just my normal. This is fine. Yeah, you're right. Mm. And that definition of what stress actually is gets rewritten and kind of upgraded and upgraded and upgraded. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so and, yeah, and that it is really quite quite personal. Mm, totally. So it's interesting because, you know, you talk about, you know, just when you mention that how busy people are, et cetera, um, and that, you know, they'll often downplay their stress or they think that, 
I should be able to deal with this. I should be able to deal with all these things going on. I should be able to deal with 18-hour days with no breaks. Um, that's all normal. But that, for me, leads to the next thing because, you know, we're saying today what are the top three challenges when treating gut conditions. And when I find people that stress, now, very often I'll find people will absolutely have some kind of microbial imbalance in the gut. Mm. And they also are very stressed and often wonder what came first, chicken or the egg, but that's not what we're talking about today. Yeah. But what it means, though, is that very often these stressed people are going to need dietary changes. And I think mm. my next sort of key thing is, well, okay, getting your test right, but then getting the diet right is mm. going to be really important for them. What do you think? Yeah, and you kind of see this having two prongs, don't you? The challenge challenge A is picking the right diet um, based off, you know, that I've figured out actually what is going on for this patient. Um, and that's really important to be like, oh, wow, I'm, you know, I tell most of my patients to get off gluten, so I just tell this person they've got to be an IBS. Like, oh, no, maybe actually that person needed a low-fat diet or maybe that person mm. needed to radically just mainly increase the amount of fiber in their diet, like more of a mm. whole fit. And it wasn't so much about taking things out, but putting things in, um, mm. you know, these generalized things that we can say, maybe they're not always the whole picture. So there's, there's, to me, I see that as one arm of, of what's the right dietary intervention. And then the second yeah. arm is, you know, where I think a lot of the challenge can come from is um, my patient taking on that dietary advice and mm. adhering to it and being mm. excited about it and, you know, compliance basically is, mm -hmm. the, um, is the phrase there because uh, depending where someone's gut is at, uh, these interventions, some of them can be pretty full on in terms of it can radically mm. be changing the way that a, a patient is eating, um, don't they? Mm. Mm. And, and I think that, you know, topic today is about challenges and some of those challenges are I guess communicating to patients exactly why they need to change their diet I mean when people have been suffering for a while they don't usually need a lot of convincing as to why they need to change their diet what they do need to know though is how and what I mean by mm. that is well what do I avoid what do I eat more of how do I alter the timing of my food those sorts of things and I think that really mm. is one of the big challenges but but then again you know you you find the people who will sit in clinic look you in the eye and say oh yes oh, oh I'll, I'll make all these dietary changes oh yes certainly and then when you speak with them two weeks or four weeks later when you see them again they went oh i wasn't really very good with that oh i didn't for example i don't know i couldn't stop eating bread or i couldn't stop having milk chocolate every night or, or, or whatever the case or, or I, I couldn't stop drinking wine or, or whatever the case mm. may be. Um, mm. that those are a lot of the challenges. And, and, and I guess that's the thing when it does come to um, diet as such is that it's not just about picking the correct diet. It's about and giving them the correct diet. It's getting them and educating them and giving them tips and strategies to actually stick to the diet. And I think that sometimes, mm. once again, if we're very, if, if we're really in a rush or if we, we don't have enough printed material, mm. giving people the tips, you know, everyone talks about life hacks, giving them the mm. hacks to, to, to do a diet so it's achievable and it's relatively, I think, re relatively easy or as easy as you can make these things, I think is really, really 
important. Now, do you have any one hack you tell your patients with any specific diet that comes to mind? Mm, yeah, I was thinking as you were talking. One thing that I really love to do with my patients, I don't know if you call it a mm. hack or not, is like just having that recognition that we are emotional beings, not um, mm. mental based ones. And so, you know, mm. if all of it need if all we needed you know, for someone to stop smoking was to tell them that smoking's bad for you, then it would work, right? But we have, and yeah. I know that that has an addictive element, but like so many things, um, habits that aren't great for us, it's it's because we have an emotional attachment to those things. Mm. So I really try to just get to that pay, place with my patients and really try and draw on, you know, how can we kind of evoke someone's own internal motivation, not just the mm. external motivation of I'll look better or I'll fit into that outfit better or, you yep. know, um, it's, what and, and not just being like, oh, life will be easier. It's like really get down and drill down into the emotion. Like what emotion are they going to feel? Are they going to feel happier? Are they going to feel lighter? Are they going to have more freedom? Like whatever it is. It's so different for each person. But that then is what can kind of anchor in when you're having those hard moments of like, in the early weeks of I'm making all these changes and it's hard and I don't know what to cook and you know, I've run out of recipes mm. that Claire's printed out for me and i got to, you know, do mm. the thing. Then they can, I say, go back to that place, like write it on a sticky note, stick it on your fridge, make it your phone background. Mm. Just like really have that carry through and get used to connecting with that because mm. then it's kind mm. of using our own, I don't know what our word is, biology or, yeah. you know, uh, it, it's going with us instead of just being like, oh, I just need to try harder and I just need to have more willpower because, it's so emotional. Food is so emotional. We have so many emotional connections with food. Like it's, 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 we self-medicate with food and with alcohol, all of mm. these things. It's, it's, it's a big mm. thing to be stepping into. And, um, this is the thing that will change someone's life, right? Like they might be on supplements for X amount of time, but if you change the mm. way that someone can eat, that's setting them up potentially for a lifetime to come. So I, I think I, I that this can be a really you know, useful place that we can be spending time in our consult and, you know, put in a little extra 20 minute consult halfway between or check mm. in with them via text message. Like just some people need mm. a lot of hand holding. And I think that then comes yep. into our question of like, how can we make that work as practitioners while still, you know, receiving for that. and mm. everything. So yeah, I think it's a really big, it's a big conversation when you start to get into it. And which is definitely why we listed it as a challenge, didn't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and in many respects, I think the correct diet is the hardest challenge because there are so many aspects to the correct diet because it isn't even just, mm -hmm. is this technically correct for their problem? It's, is this mm -hmm. correct for this person in their mental state of mind? You know, yes, how, how, exactly. however that looks and, and, and whatever that is really for them. But um, yep. I want to move on. To, oh, what What's your third in the top three challenges. So we've said, look, diagnosing can be a challenge that we need to diagnose, right? And you know, that interestingly really does elements that flows into the correct diet. You know, if, if we are not sure of what's going on in the gut, how can you really give them the correct diet? Um, mm. Is there a, a one more challenge that you would say, yep, here's absolutely one of the challenges uh, when it comes to treating gut conditions? Yeah, well, I think that kind of flows on pretty nicely, doesn't it, to then moving into the treatment that we develop. So, and that again, mm. it has those two elements of, am I picking the correct things, the correct supplements, the correct mm -hmm. intervention for this, uh, for this mm -hmm. patient? Uh, have I diagnosed them? You know, not 
that we can diagnose. But, you know, have we really found out what's going on? Have I picked the right diet that's going to be doing some of that heavy lifting and what is kind of left over that I need to be coming in with with my um, with my supplements or my interventions? And then, you know, there's that compliance element with that as well. Um so, yeah, I think this is another one that could probably be a podcast in and of itself. But, like, what do you That's think, right. like, when you're kind of, for, you know, this first element of, like, picking the right things, picking the right mm-hmm. group of, mm-hmm. you know, herbs, yeah. supplements, Look, probiotics, how do you go about it? I, I was going to say one of the key things for me when it comes to treatment is absolutely, when, when we're dealing with gut issues, is dealing is generally selecting the right probiotic because as you've said you know there are certain times when I'll absolutely have people who come back with I'll say decent decent gut results from a test say a CDSA and it's, it's actually decent or you know your microbiome map and you go this is decent it's not without any flaw or any fault at all but it's decent And to me at that point, still choosing the right probiotic, looking at any evidence-based strains of probiotic, looking at the studies that go with that probiotic. And one of the reasons I think when it comes to treatment and probiotics, it's so important to go for the evidence-based ones is because you can look at how many weeks and what dose they actually did in the trial to get an outcome. And so it's not, Mm. oh, I think that's a really bad problem. I'm going to give you three probiotics a day. Because a patient might only need one per day, depending on the strength. But once again, we need to go back to the research to see how did they treat these people with XYZ gut problem, whatever it was, um, to get that level of benefit. And I think, you know, for me, when it comes to treatment, one of the cha- – it's it's probably not a challenge – it can be a challenge to choose the right probiotic. And I guess my point is if we don't put in time, if we don't put in effort, if we can't go and actually look at the science behind it, will we actually be tr- choosing the right probiotic? And, and I just think for me when it comes to gut issues, uh, the correct probiotic given for at least three months or even maybe six months is a key foundational part of treatment. You know, and uh, it's going to do a whole lot more for them than having a nice natural yoga every day. And I'm not saying that may not be appropriate for some people, but I think we need to give them more. So for me, that that's probably, um, you know, what one of the the key things when it comes to actually treatment as such. Um, what about you? Either in relation to probiotics or something else that you're always uh, looking at using in different treatments. Yeah, I was thinking when you were talking about the probiotic element, like that evidence base, I think is so important to get the do- the dose right. And I mm. and I think and I hope, like as a profession, that we're kind of moving towards this place where we are really being specific and selective mm. with picking out strain specific probiotics mm. because. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago when maybe it still persists out there a little bit, maybe even with our patients as well, that like more strains is better. And I'm just going to, you know, I want the one, I want the capsule that has the 10 strains in it. And it's like, you can guarantee that when you're dealing with the product like that often, that maybe not even all of them are listed down to the strain, uh, level potentially. So you don't technically know what you're working with. And then maybe if the evidence says, you know, 10 billion and it's got like 500 million in there. It's like, this is not getting me where I need to go. And I need to be specific and targeted. If I'm going to go to this effort of 
you know, getting my patient's heart and mind on board and getting this compliance happening. Mm. It's got to be the right product. Um, mm, mm. So, yeah, I find that really important. And then um, I, I definitely agree and echo what you say there. And then I think just matching probably those herbs. Um, you know, I think our mm. nutritionals can have commonality potential, potentially, you know, if we're trying to do that gut healing or working on building up any nutritional deficiencies that can start to crop up with those gut issues. But your herbs, they can be really different from patient to patient and picking like, do I need something that's more carminative? Do I need something that's more mm. anti-inflammatory? Do I need something that's more bitter? Like I got to be stimulating this gut and getting this gut going, you know, mm. Um, mm. just really kind of identifying where, where you know, what's going to give me the biggest bang for my buck and really, really help mm. now that I really truly understand, you know, what is happening for this patient, what just really matches that nicely. Look, and I think you made a really good point there that, you know, sometimes I think when we're talking about gut health and herbs, we're talking about those antimicrobials and whether we can go and drive out every living organism from the gut. Um, mm. But that it's sort of more than that because what if someone needs symptomatic relief? What if they need, um, you know, something like ginger, which sure may have some great impacts when it comes to H. pylori and a few other things, but also really ha can have quite a nice anti-inflammatory and soothing effect. Mm -hmm. And that the herbs we choose, I think, are really important. And I will go all the way back, though, to where we're talking about um, – you know, the initial tests. But remember, even with the initial, uh, I'll call it test or almost diagnosis, we have to be listening to our patient picture. What is their, what is their problem? People don't say, hey, I'm pretty sure I've got some kind of gut dysbiosis going on. They come in saying, I, have, I get heartburn all the time. I'm always bloated. I'm mm -hmm. chronically constipated. I've got the loosest stools, you know, or, or whatever. They, they come in with symptoms. We're treating mm. a person with symptoms and mm. that when we do select those herbs, we almost need to go back to the very first part of the consult. Why are they here? What is the pain they're experiencing? What is the discomfort they're experiencing? And sometimes, you know, so we can select the right probiotic, but then when we're looking at the herbs, we need something that you know, will actually give people symptom relief because as I've said once or twice before, patients aren't always patient. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And herbs are such a wonderful way that we can achieve that. We really can. Mm. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Well, look, we've discussed the main challenges, I think, uh, when mm -hmm. treating gut conditions, at least from our perspective. Um, so we've covered the importance of diagnosing correctly, the importance of getting the diet right, and then some of the key aspects of treatment. However, if our listeners would like more information and a much deeper dive into this, Biopractica does have a seminar coming up in mid-May 2023. Uh, I am fortunate enough to be out of this dark room and I'll be travelling a number of Australian cities with Danielle Elliott and will be running a five-hour workshop resolving the gut issue, which is going to cover these topics in a lot more depth. Uh, we're going to have case studies as well and also provide people who uh, our attendees actual things such as printed diet sheets so you'll be able to you know just copy them hand them out to your patients and other collateral that you'll be able to use in clinic with patients so if you'd like more information please go to biopractica.com.au and as a special offer to our podcast listeners if you enter the word podcast when booking in you'll get a discount on the seminar price well now that i've finished with that piece of unashamed self-promotion <laughs> i'd like to say thank you to my co-host with the most the awesome claire murray 
Um, and thank you to everyone listening. And uh, we hope you tune in again soon for our next podcast. So thank you one more time, Claire. Take care and I'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Be talking again to you soon. To continue the conversation or find out more about our products and educational resources, please head to biopractica.com.au. Biopractica, empowering healthcare professionals.